on a, a roller coaster myself, amen. I, I thank God. We prayed Monday night for that lady. Her name is, um, wow, I just forgot her name. San, San, Sandra Diaz. And um, we um, prayed for her Monday night, and she woke up Tuesday morning. And so we just thank God. And the, the prognosis was not good. And so, yeah, Monday night, and we, she, she woke up Monday night, matter of fact. That's right. And we just thank God for that. Amen. We serve the God of the, amen. I'm excited. I was going to preach this message on Friday. Uh, I got sick, but I'm going to preach it today. Amen. The Lord has put me on a real quest in my life, I would say, a quest, a real, um, with all sincerity, a journey, a life thing that I think that I will be on this quest for the rest of my life, and that is that I'm going to be thirsty for, for the Lord. He's put me on this desperate, I preached a message on Sunday at uh, uh, Pastor Chris Edwards' church called I'm Desperate for My Destiny. And I, I just think that God has made me so desperate to see his plan fulfilled. I would do anything, go anywhere. And it starts with this, this here tonight. Amen. I think for the rest of my life, I will be preaching something about being hungry for God. I, I don't know. As long as God has directed me for now, that I'm not going to preach nothing but hunger and thirst and drawing near to God. Amen. I think that's one thing that we lack, drawing near to God. We're afraid to go to God. We're afraid of what he might require of us, afraid of the changes he might make. How many of you know we all pray for change, and when change comes, we get afraid? Amen. I want to start in Judges, the 16th chapter, and this is a story that many of us might be familiar with, and for some of us are not. Um, I'll paraphrase for the sake of time. The story of a man named Samson. Samson, in and of himself, has had a miraculous birth. Samson his mother was, was, was very, she was barren, she could have no children, and yet God showed up to her one day and said, I'm going to give you a son, and he's going to be a deliverer of Israel. Somebody say deliverer. Tap somebody next to you and just say deliverer. Samson's, listen, you got to listen to this, Samson's purpose in life, Samson's purpose in life was to deliver God's people out of bondage that they had put themselves in. All right? Kind of like, it's kind of like sometimes I can be a Samson, you can be a Samson, that God has called you to talk to somebody. You ever talk to somebody who got into a mess, and it was their own mess? You got to talk them out of their own garbage? Anybody with me? You're a Samson, so to speak. Now, Samson had many problems. Samson's problem was that he loved sin more than he loved God's purpose for his life. And I would dare to venture and go out on a crazy limb tonight and tell you all that many of you guys love sin more than you love God's purpose for your life. No, I'm serious. That many of us, see, we, with our mouth, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, with their mouths, they love me. But their hearts are far from me. How many of you know, and you don't have to raise your hand because I don't want to put you out there, that you sin more than you pray and love God? That on a daily basis, you have more negative in your life than there is positive. Anybody here? You listen to more trashy music than gospel, than Christian music. You feed yourself more trash than we do good things. We feed ourselves more TV than we do of God's word. Anybody? Being honest tonight? And so many of us are like a Samson, that we love the things of the world more than the purpose of God in our life. Samson's life was speckled with moments where he operated under the calling of his life. 
He operated in the mighty calling of God. At one point, he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He wrestled a lion and killed him with his bare hands. He killed 30 Philistines when he was tied up. He took city gates and ripped them off the hinges and walked into the top of a mountain. At instances in his life, Samson operated in the passion, the purpose, and the calling of God. At moments... He didn't walk in his destiny, Randy. He walked in moments of destiny. Big difference. I think that some of us are in that same book. I've been in that book in my life. I'll talk about myself because, you know, I can only beat myself up tonight. I'll be honest with myself tonight since you guys might not be honest with yourself tonight. Moments where I walked in God's destiny in moments of his destiny. Case in point, I would come to church on Thursday, pray, pray Friday, sin Saturday because somebody upset me, be upset still Sunday morning, Spend a moment of my life in his will preaching and still mad at the person who got me upset. I'm living in a moment of God's destiny, but not living in God's purpose for my life of forgiveness. Anybody been in moments of destiny, not walking in destiny? And so here is Samson. He has a proclivity. He's a whore. Samson, which the Bible referred to as a whoremonger, sleeping around, sleeping with prostitutes, loose women, marrying people he shouldn't marry. And so Samson is all messed up, and, and he's messing with this girl named Delilah. And Delilah was probably really pretty, really attractive. And, and Samson, she, he, this woman Delilah has tried to defile him and his covenant with God. She's been asking him for the longest time what his, his strength in God was. We all know that the story, we're about to read it really quickly, it was his hair. His hair was the symbol of his covenant. You with me? Anybody with me? Randy, you good? You okay? All right, prophet. Judges 16, verse 20. Speaking of Delilah, she says, And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, and listen, and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Look at the person next to you and say, he left. Then the Philistine seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. Come on, bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in worship. We come to you with purpose tonight, God. We thank you for the worship, God. We thank you for what you're doing, but we know that you have a further purpose tonight. Open our hearts. Let us not be offended, but open, and let us be convicted, God. Let, us, or let our eyes be open so we would not be mediocre Christians, God. That we would not keep on living in complacency, God, but we would find a path called destiny once and for all in our lives, God. Come on, if you receive it, let the church say amen. My, my, my message is, is called tonight, when the mess goes too far. When the mess goes too far. Have you ever found yourself in, in a mess like Samson? In this passage, she's been trying, Delilah, to really get the secret to his strength, and finally, he's opened up and he's told to, Listen, girl, it's my hair. And so he falls asleep, and while he's sleeping, she cuts off his hair. Time and time again, he had lied to her. He had been messing with her, and he would tell her a lie, and she would come, and she would try it. He would break free, and that's how the Bible says he woke up, and he thought to himself, I'll just go out and shake myself as before. I'm going to go somewhere. They all trust me. Trust me. I, I went out, and I'll just go as before. But finally, Samson should have seen that his mess was getting too big. He should have seen the mess he was getting himself into. Have you ever been in a situation you know that what you want to do is going to cause a huge mess? Anybody here? I got a couple of y'all. I guess I'm preaching to y'all tonight. 
Samson knew what he was doing. But Samson finally, he takes it too far. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today is when the mess gets out of control. Samson here has compromised God's call on his life and surrendered his anointing. All that God had given Samson was gone. Somebody say gone. Listen to this. His purpose was gone. His destiny was gone. His anointing was gone, which equals out to the fact his identity was gone. His identity was gone because he got himself into a mess. And there's got to be somebody in this place today who's been in such a deep mess that you thought it was all over. You thought that, you know, you couldn't go, you couldn't go anywhere else in God. You were outnumbered, surrounded. You felt like your problems were greater than your God. Anybody ever felt like your problems are bigger than God? In your humanity, I know some of us are super spiritual. I know some of us walk with angels. And I some of us, some of us have been on that TV show, Touched by an Angel. I know that we are best friends with, you know, TBN. And we are just holy, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and we see demons and they run when they see us. And, you know, I'm talking about in your humanity. You see, I can't hang out with some people because they can't take my humanity. I'm serious. I can't hang out with some folks. Oh, pastors shouldn't joke like that. Well, I'm just me, and God made me to be me. I'm talking about in your humanity, have you ever felt like this situation was too big? And if you're saying no, then I'll tell you that you're probably lying because that's when you get yourself into a mess, when you try and fix something yourself. Because you thought it was too big for God to do. Is anybody being touched today? I want you to really be, I'm telling you, this is the beginning of an epic journey we're going to go on as a church. Neither we're going to grow or you're going to go. One of the two. I promise you. The problem is the church's mess has gotten too far. David said it like this when he was outnumbered and surrounded. Psalms 25 verse 19. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Anybody hate you? Anybody hate you? I found out just the other day somebody really hated me. I didn't even know this person hated me. A very well-known person, famous person in the city of Bridgeport, and they hate me. I haven't talked to you in three years. haven't seen you. And when I did see you, all that stuff was hot. But they hate me. Isn't that amazing? Anybody here got those people? Don't really know you, but they hate you? Come on, somebody. Be, girls, you know you want to be like, yeah, pastor. Anybody got some people who just don't, just, just don't like you? Anybody? Eddie? Some people just hate you? I got those people. Isn't that crazy? I had someone tell you, I had someone tell me yesterday, the devil is a liar. I'm waiting for your life to fall apart so I can help you pick up the pieces. Doesn't get no worse than that. Family's the worst. Waiting, counting on my life to fall apart so you can help me pick up the pieces. The devil is a liar. I'm waiting on your life to fall apart so I can pick up. On the phone, they didn't even text it. They were rude enough to, on the phone. People hate me. I don't know why. I'm not perfect. People, I'm not perfect. Trust me. I'm the furthest thing from perfect. I'll be the first to admit my my imperfections. But David said it best. They fiercely hate me. (laughs) Everybody has somebody. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May my integrity and uprightness protect me, my holy Jesus. May my integrity, my ability to do the right thing when no one's looking protect me. My integrity. CVS taught me one thing, integrity. Integrity. Doing the right thing when no one else is looking. Let my integrity and my uprightness protect me. Somebody say amen. 
because all my hope is in you. David knew about getting into a mess from, from Bathsheba all the way to Absalom. David had tons of messes in his life. Read the Bible, and you will see that David was a man after God's own heart, but yet he was full of tragedy, full of triumph. He was full of sin. He was full of whoremongers. He was full of all types of stuff. David was not a man after God's heart because he was perfect, because he never gave up. My God, he never stopped striving for the purpose of God in his life. And so Samson here similarly is in a mess. But Samson has gone too far this time. He's lost too much to ever get back to the normality of what God has for him. If there's one person, like, listen, listen, if there's one person in the Bible that I detest the most, it is Samson. I detest Samson. I've had it and I've arranged it in my heart. I darn near hate him. Samson had the ability to lead an entire nation to freedom. It was the purpose of his birth, but he'd rather get drunk and sleep around. My God. He'd rather, he'd rather stay home and watch TV. He'd rather, he'd rather go out to a restaurant and have a nice dinner rather than seek God when you heard the echoing of the Holy Spirit whispering to your heart. My God, anybody understanding this today? Samson had an epic destiny. When the Holy Spirit would come upon him, he was the strongest man around. Could you imagine fighting a thousand men at once? And yet Samson accomplished that. It's not some story in a book. It's a historical fact in Israeli Hebraic history. Samson killed a thousand men in one fight. It's not something somebody makes up. It's history. We, we, we look at the Bible and some people would say it's just a fairy tale. Jewish history is the best history in the world. They tracked and traced and written down, wrote down everything. Samson had the ability to lead people who were captive to freedom. And he did not do it. Melissa, he just ignored his purpose in life. When he was a kid, his mother probably told him all that God had told her. Listen, your purpose is to do this. He knew what God wanted of him, for he did not cut his hair. He knew what his purpose was. Do you, you get that? He knew what God had for him. I know this might not be so, you know, greatly interesting, but listen, I'm telling you, you need to hear this. Samson knew what God's purpose was for his life. Anybody know what God's purpose is for your life? Anybody ever told you you're going to be this, you're going to be that? You're going to be a prayer warrior. You're going to be a prayer warrior. You're going to be a missionary with your daughter, Yvette. You're going to be a musician. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. You know, everybody gave you something, right? Somebody fed you something. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. And yet, you don't pursue it. And so we look at Samson and say, oh, man, horrible Samson. Horrible us for not walking in the destiny God has given us. Because the messes of our life don't allow us to. Samson was called to be this leader, this champion. You know what I hate about Samson? The biggest thing, Samson died having a victorious battle, killed thousands of people when he died. You know what I hate about him, though? He died full of potential. He died full of all the, he never accomplished one thing God had for him to do. He died full of potential. Maybe that went over some of you. That's too deep for some of y'all. So, some of us are okay with dying with potential as long as you live a safe life. God has called you to do something. Samson only, only walked, listen to this, Samson only walked in the destiny of God when the enemy got him upset. That's kind of like us. We get into a situation, we get into a mess, and then 
The only person that can help us is God. And so we run to pray and, Pastor, I'm coming to church now. I'm dedicated. I'm never leaving. Three weeks later, where are you? God helped you. The church fixed your problem, and you were gone. Quick fix. I'm done. Is it not true? Have we not seen many folks like that? We all know somebody. Ideally, life should be sensible, orderly, logical, and righteous as a Christian. Most of the time, it's, it's, it's really, anybody ever had that situation where you say, oh, that's a mess? <laughs> I was, I was, who was I texting the other day, and they, they said, oh, you said I'm a mess. I, I, I said it all the time, oh, you are a mess. You ever seen somebody out in public, you don't know why she put that on that morning or how she got into it? She must have, like, had to sit down, <gasps> have somebody sit on her and then put it on? You ever seen some guy walking around with some high heels? You're like, what is he doing? You know what I'm talking about? Ever seen some dude with a halter top? No? You ever watched a show like Maury Povich? You're like, oh, those people are a mess. How does she not know who her baby daddy is? 20 guys testing and she don't know? That is, Kelly, that is a, a mess. Haven't we all said it before? You're a mess. I think back when I was about 20 years old, that was my favorite saying, you're a mess. I would say it for everything and anything. What is a mess? What, what is the mess? How do you identify a mess? I found a way to identify a mess. It's the God's honest truth. This is awesome. A mess is when one of three things are missing in that situation. You ready? Take a note. You might want to write this down. A mess is one of the following three things missing in any given situation. One, logic. Missing logic in a situation, the things are going to be, Melissa, it's going to be a mess. If common sense is not in the middle of a situation, like, you know, common sense, like, why would you wear that? Common sense, logic missing from a situation is going to be, somebody say, a mess. When our logic is gone in our walk with Christ, when the common sense of our Christianity disappears, we are a mess. Two, number two, truth. Truth has got to be in every situation. There's got to be truth. Definite, definitive truth. Anybody with me? There's got to be what? Truth. In any situation, if there is not truth, it'll lead to number three, a lack of order. There's got to be order. There's got to be order. Oh, my God, I cannot stand. Oh, my Jesus, help me. I cannot stand disorder. I cannot. I, this, right before service, I walked up to Carla, said, how you doing? She was like, this is like, you know, you're, you're the greeter. Kind of got to put your hands down. People feel receptive. If you're like this, I don't want to talk to you, you know. Just, I don't want to talk to you. Just get away from me, you know. I'm not going to say hi to you. To me, there's a lack of order. So I kind of, you know, went over there with my smile. Hey, Carla, how you doing, girl? Hey. Could you just open your arms up a little bit? Thank you. God bless you. Like, Daniel, why are you outside? Ushers belong inside. <laughs> Great. Why are we not praying before a service? I cannot stand going places where there's a lack of order. Oh, my goodness. I went to one church, kids running on the pews. Oh, my God. I was going to tackle that kid. He was about six. <laughs> Anybody ever been to a place you cannot stand disorder? Ever been to someone's home and you walk in and it's just like, whoa. You wouldn't even eat there, wouldn't even sit there, wouldn't even like nothing. Don't even know how to walk out. There's got to be order in every situation. If you're lacking logic, truth, or order, it's going to be a mess. You with me so far? The problem is, is when the mess in our life goes too far. If it's not logical, it doesn't make sense. 
it's going to be a mess. If it's not true, it's going to be a mess. How many of you know lies cause a mess? Lies cause a ton of mess in our life. A ton. One of the greatest sayings ever penned. What a web we weave when we choose to deceive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Several people are gossiping, spreading untruths about someone. We just, they're a mess. They're just a gossip. And there's some folks that everyone knows you can't tell your business to. You just know you cannot tell them your business. Somebody say amen. I've been to other churches, many other churches where I'll just like, I can't, you've been with Minister Melvin, they start an hour late, and I'm supposed to preach, I don't want want to walk out now. You can't be on time to your own church service. I I told the preacher when he walked in, God's not going to move tonight. You started late, and he was here at 7, you're here at 8. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm serious. You got to tell them the truth, say it like it is. Told a room full of pastors and bishops, I'm tired of being the first person on the pulpit, and I'm there at, on time. Where are y'all at? I don't care if I'm the youngest preacher in the room. I don't care. I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm going to tell you respectfully and tell you what God's telling me. How we expect God to move when we start late. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 7 o'clock, we're starting. If somebody's praying, somebody's talking. 11 o'clock, we're starting. You with me? You get my point? And so when there's a lack of order, there's a mess. And so Samson had a mess. He had a lack of logic, a lack of truth, and, and he had a total lack of order in his life. And so Samson's mess led him to go way too far. Whenever those qualities are missing, it's a mess. And whenever our lives are out of control or in disarray, we begin to do things that are very stupid, very illogical, very unfaithful to God. We start to feel that our lives are a complete mess when we have a little bit. Anybody ever had a little mess that you just blew out of proportion? Maybe it's just me. You been there, Yvonne? You with me? I can preach to you then. All right. So a little mess blow out of proportion, and we do crazy things. You see, like Samson, I would challenge you that many of you have a real mess in your life. No, really, I'm, 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 I mean, honestly, honestly, we have a mess in our lives. From the way we pray to the way we don't pray, to the way we worship or to the way we don't worship. Well, that's just different for me. And what we do for God and what we don't do for God. I promise you that I, I just, I cannot explain what God is doing in my heart. I, I can't begin to put into words, I'm not really going to try, how God has truly just told me, I want you to be thirsty for me. You see, I, I realized something that, that, you see, I realized something that God does not want me to duplicate what nobody else is doing. God has not called me to clone a move of God. He's called me to birth a move of God, not clone anything. And so I can't be like nobody, act like nobody. I can take advice. I can read and inspire myself. You see, I, heard, I like it how I heard it today. You have to be around people. See, when, when, when John the Baptist's mother walked up to Jesus' mother, and they were both pregnant, the Bible says that the baby in the womb jumped. Maybe that means nothing to you, but you should surround yourself with people who make the calling inside of you jump. Whatever God's going to birth in you, jump. You should get around people who make what God has for you exciting instead of, oh, my God, Pastor Carmen, I'm going to be a missionary. Oh, my, no way. You got to get around somebody who will excite you about what God has called you to do. But many of us, I don't think we fall into that category. We're just, we're pretty messy people in our lives. Not popular, I know, I'm sorry. You see, I told you earlier 
God has really told me to embark on this journey of being hungry and thirsty for him. I, I wake up every day trying to try to find a way. God, he, he, he really so deeply put this in my heart on Sunday, I began to cry while I was preaching. I don't even like crying. He just put it so deep. I need you to be hungry. He said to me, I need you to be hungry, and you will crave for me because you will experience me because you cannot crave for that which you have not experienced. You cannot desire. See, I, I told the church, I'd rather the praise and worship team before service, I love. You ready for this? I love. In fact, you ready? Hibachi food. I know, girl. I know you love it too. I love it. I love shrimp of a hibachi grill. I love lobster tail of a hibachi grill. Steak, filet mignon. Anybody with me? Everybody having fat dreams? I'm talking about I love the, the tricks they play. I, I've seen it a thousand times. <laughs> like a little kid every time. I can tell him what he's going to do. I love it. They put a little fireman. Oh, fireman, fireman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Japanese F wall. <laughs> just, I know it. I know what they're going to do. Volcano. I just, anybody know what I'm talking about? But yet, there was a point in my life about two years ago where I craved this stuff. And I had it every week. Whether it was, whether it was 60 bucks a plate, 40 bucks a plate, or 12 bucks a plate on a lunch special. Yvette opened my eyes to the lunch special. It's like half price of the half. It's amazing. And so my point is that I'm getting at is that I crave God because I've experienced him. If you don't crave God, you haven't experienced him. And so I would challenge you to go experience him. Many of us here, we, we, lack, we lack what Samson lacked. Samson lacked a desire for destiny because he knew it was always there. Samson's destiny became an option. And because he knew what God had called him for, he said, when I'm ready. When I'm ready. We treat destiny as an option instead of a lifestyle. Oh, just listen to me. Come on. Seriously, just listen. I'm telling you, those of you who are not walking in the destiny that God has called you to do, I'm telling you, you are treating destiny as an option. Minister Jose, if you're not fulfilling God's purpose, you're treating it as an option. Randy, you're treating it as an option. Melissa, Mike, Pastor Carmen, if you're not walking in the destiny that God has called you to do, you're treating it like an option. You know he wants you to do something, but when you're ready, you'll get there. When, when, when you know what? When, when he shows it to me, I'll do it rather than let me chase him so I can get it and find out what it is. Are you treating your destiny or your purpose as an option in life? Samson rarely ever refrained from sin. He lived for the moment of pleasure rather than a moment of purpose. Samson lived for the moment of pleasure. He never lived for a moment of purpose. He didn't care about purpose in his life. Samson was, he was just enthralled with pleasing himself, what he desired to do. Sometimes the things we do are not sinful, but all we do is what we want to do. And so because we do that, that in itself becomes a little bit sinful because we put God's agenda to the side. Somebody say amen. Rarely did he refrain from ever really sinning. He never refrained from sinning against the purpose God had for him. He never stopped running from sin. He ran to sin. And one day he ran too far. 
One day, there was a day he woke up and started as every other day. But when he went to sleep and woke up again, God had left him. And I would tell you that God told me to tell all of you that some of you are in a position where God's purpose will leave you. You might make it to heaven, but his purpose will leave you. You will lead a human life rather than a divine life that God has for you. What is God's purpose for your life? Why have you not stepped into it? Why? I was, I was sitting last night. And God's hunger has been so, he's been to the point where he'll get me to the point of just sorrow. And how he feels. Not that I'm sad, but God is showing me how he feels. Maybe some of you haven't got there with your relationship with God yet. My mom told me about it. I told her she was crazy when I was a kid. But I know what she meant now. I I know. And I was uh, sitting, about to go to sleep last night, laying in my my bed. And someone from the church texted me. And they said, I'm watching a, a, a church service at John Hagee's church. And the church is packed out. It's huge. I can't wait till GVA gets like that. And I texted him back. I said, man, I don't know if people in, north, in, in the northern part of the United States will ever get it. I feel like people up north will never get it. And I can't fi- fulfill my destiny unless I move down south. And go to where people receive God. To where people are open to destiny. I really feel like sometimes I can't not. I've been telling my wife, you ready to move down south? I don't think, they, I don't think the church gets it. I don't think you understand what God desires to do with us. And if we ain't going to do it here, I'm going to go somewhere. We're going to do it. Trust me. And that person said to me, you can't think like that. You have to have faith. And they encouraged me a little bit. My favorite person, it's Yvonne, my little cousin. She's my favorite person, I'm telling you. She always looks out for me. Out of the clear blue, text me, how you feeling today? How's your back doing? Are you good? I love you, Pastor. I'm proud of you. Wow. Man, why don't, why is it so hard that we don't get it? I'm serious. I'm asking you an honest question. Why don't you get, you know, I spend 80% of my, past, my, my time as a pastor doing? God's honest truth? You want to know? I'm not kidding you. 80% of my time is finding out how to inspire you to get off your butts. 80% of my time trying to get you to worship. Trying to get you to come to church. Trying to get you to follow God. Trying to get you to do something for God. Why am I spending 80% of my time being a cheerleader? God has not called me to be a cheerleader. He's called us to be players in the field of life. But the church has reduced leadership to cheerleading. Come on, you can worship. You can do it. You can make it. I am not a life coach. I'm a shepherd. I'm a sh- I heard something good on Sunday. This is a freebie. This is a freebie. I went to hear Tommy Tenney. Melissa, this is good. He said, after the service, I'm not going to get swifted away to any, any special secret room. I'm going to be available for you to talk to me. If you don't know who Tommy Tenney is, he wrote the book God Chasers. He's an amazing man of God. That movie, The King and I, it's his movie. He's a, one night with the king, one night with the king. All this stuff, it's, he's a great man of God. He said this, he said, because I believe you should not trust a shepherd that does not smell like sheep. I thought that was really good. Maybe that's over your head. You should do some theology studies. Honestly, church, really, 80% of my time, 80% of my time, I would tell you, is is geared towards trying to inspire people. We set up ministries trying to inspire. Carlos Corres is starting a ministry called The Way of the Master, trying to get people to learn how to evangelize and, and just get out there and talk to people about God. We have to, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's great, but we have to set up things and set up things to set up things for you to do something for God. 
if just the small number of us in here can really say, you know what, I want to chase my purpose for God. Isn't that, what would happen if we decided to stop being lazy Christians? Hope they didn't offend nobody. You might not come back next week. Oh. Well, Pastor Carl, imagine what the church would look like if we stopped being lazy. If we've done this running on 10%, what could we do running on all cylinders with everyone involved? I know by the looks on your faces, it doesn't seem so exciting to do something for the Lord. I'm telling you that God is trying to tell some of you guys here tonight, your purpose is not an option. And if you treat it as such, it's going to be removed from you. Anybody with me? Destiny and opportunity have something in common. Destiny and opportunity have something in common. They are a visitor. Destiny and opportunity are, are, are just a visitor in life. If you don't fulfill your purpose, your destiny, it's going to go to somebody else. Somebody say amen. I remember, I remember when my father had first passed away and, and the church, you know, kind of got a bunch of, a whole influx of new people. That um, people started stepping up and, and, and Sister Lori came and Pastor, Pastor P had come down and she told Pastor P, you know, I feel like if um, God's leading me to get the pastors organized, to help them just be organized. And trust me, I was very disorganized. Very, right, Lori? And she was, he was like, you know what, then go for it. And she came to me because God's given her the ability and the desire to be an admin. Why didn't you let her be the church admin? So she's been in the church all but three months. And she comes in and takes this position that anybody else could have been fulfilling, whether for me or for the last pastor, because he was more disorganized than me. And yet, when she took her position, oh, man, who's she? She has a Jezebel spirit trying to take control. Oh, she's evil. Oh, she's wrong. Who does she think she is? Oh, when anybody new came up to the church, oh, who do they think they are? When they don't realize that people are stepping past the opportunity that you give up. People fulfilling the purpose you could have fulfilled. Don't, 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 don't get mad at somebody for doing what God is telling them to do. And so many times you'll be in the church three, five years and, and not offer anything. And somebody coming right behind you and do something you can do. Like, I, I could have done that. Who are they? I've been here longer. Why haven't they asked me? Because they asked me. You get my point? We, this purpose in, in you, this purpose in you. God would not put you here if there was no purpose in you. Oh, there's purpose in every single one of us. We've got to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. I don't want to be like Samson and die full of potential. With all the ability to change his, the fate of his nation. And yet he left them all in bondage when he died. Left them all. He cared not for them. He'd rather do this and do that and go party and drink and sleep around. Samson cared not for his people. How many sermons have we, sermons rather, have we heard about sin? You see, Samson's, Delilah would always tell him that the enemy's upon you, the enemy's upon you. How many times have you heard a sermon just like today where the devil is after your soul, the devil is after your destiny, the enemy of your life is after your purpose? I'm telling you, he is out to get it. If he can stop you and hinder you, how many sermons have you heard just like that? Oh, man, we've heard tons. I've preached about sin tons. Of, I've preached about purpose and destiny many times. Have we not? We're just like Samson. Samson, the enemy's upon you. And this time he gets up and the Bible says he did not know that God had left him. 
there'll come a day where you'll be in that very predicament also. Where you think, you know what, now it's time. And I'm, no, no, it's not. God said, it's too late. It, it's too late. Samson awoke this time, and, and the price he paid with his, his I, don't, I don't know if you get the depth of this, he paid with his identity. He was the judge. Even in his sin, he was the judge over all of Israel. He was their leader. Even in his sin, the Bible says he led Israel 20 years. 20 years. Oh, my God. When I read that, I almost cried. 20 years, this man walked with potential. 20 years, this man walked with Much like the Christians these days, 20 years to walk around with potential, pointing on a problem, never fixing it. Pointing out an issue, never being a, never being a problem solver. As my, as my spiritual father said, don't be a problem multiplier. Be a problem solver. 20 years, he walked around Israel with potential. For 20 years, the enemy could not defeat him. For 20 years, the enemy could not find the secret to his strength until one day his mess got out of control. And he could not control the little sins. He kept on dabbling in it. And the little sins led to a big fall. My goodness. Little sins lead to a huge fall in life, I'm telling you. And so Samson found himself in this predicament. He awoken, he had awakened and, and found his destiny stolen from him, his identity. He lost everything. He lived the rest of his days in captivity and blind. The rest of his days he lived captive and blind. Yes, he died when, when, when he died when he killed a bunch of people, but yet that was not his destiny. His destiny was to deliver his people. Somebody say amen. He was born to be a deliverer, but reduced to the status of a prisoner. How many of you are born to be a deliverer, born to be a, a preacher, born to be a, a worshiper, born to be someone in the church, born to be something that God can do through you, but you are reduced to a prisoner of your own sins, prisoner of your own issues, your own proclivities in life. We daily disregard God's plans for us. We disregard the warnings of the Holy Spirit. We're curious about the guidance of God. We ignore the caution signs of God, and yet we expect that someday we're going to walk into our destiny, do what God has for us, and I know God has a purpose, and I'm going to get there while we do what we want. I know this isn't the greatest, most. you're not going to walk out of here feeling like a million bucks tonight. But you have got to get to a point where you realize what you are doing with your destiny in God. Do you know what the, the difference between churches up north and big churches down south are? People when they found their destiny. <laughs> you see, people up here, we just find God. And that's good enough for us. But people down there, they find destiny. People in the church that are exploding, where revival happens and people are healed, they found destiny. But we find God. I thank God I found Jesus and he was never even lost. If you know what I mean. Somebody say amen. Sometimes it's a doubt that we can never be used by God. The lack of sticking to our faith sometimes. We just get ourselves into all types of messes, situations that lack truth, logic, and order in our lives. I bet you right now, everybody, everybody in this room has probably one big or small situation that lacks order in your life, whether it's your car, <laughs> whether it's your bedroom, whether it's your finances. Oh, we all have a situation that lacks order in our lives. God has not called you to struggle in life. I, I don't know where this came from. I don't know where this, the old church taught us that, that God kept us in our brokenness to keep us in a place where we're humble to him. Listen, I, I told God, I can be rich and humble. <laughs> I can be prosperous and humble, Lord. Anybody with me there? 
The more you learn about God, the more humble you become. And so the more God does for you, the more humble I am because, you know, he's done so much for me. Let me help other people. Amen? Somebody say, he's almost done. Where is the order in our situations when you, when you, you can't respect the call of God in your life? Can't respect people in your life. Can't respect elders in the church, elders in your family, authority over you from your home to your job. Where's the order? There's so much disorder in our lives. Many here, I promise you, many here, listen to me. You're going to remember this day. You will awaken in one day like Samson, and you will find the enemy is upon you. You will awaken thinking it's all okay. It's going to be all right. You do what you did before. Go back to God. It's your life. It's, it's going to be all right. And you would not realize at that point it's going to go too far. It's when your mess goes, somebody say, too far. It's, it's not enough to be spiritually inspired for a day. But to have a lifestyle of inspiration for God. Not, not just a one-day thing for Priscilla where people get excited about God for one day. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And the next day it's just you wake up and, and because our situation hasn't changed, our, neither does our mind. And I think the, big, the biggest part is transitioning our minds into God's deliverance for our lives. Samson lost his purpose. He found himself in a mess. And I would challenge you today that some of us are slipping into a mess. Can anybody, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but just be honest with yourself. You know, I am slipping into some messes in my life. I have things in my life that don't honor God. God has told me what he wants me to do. I know that I can do more for God, and I'm not doing it. I'm not living in purpose. I'm not living in destiny. I'm actually walking the opposite direction. I told you last week, maybe if you haven't seen the devil on the road of life, it's because you're walking in the same direction as him. That's just logical. God has given us the ability to have truth and order. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, oh my God, but a power, love, and a sound mind. There's your logic and your order right there. God gives you a sound mind, and coming with a sound mind is logic and order and truth in your life. God has given me a sound mind mind. He's not giving me a spirit of fear to fear the things he has for me. He's giving me a spirit of love to love the call that he has on my life. There was a day where I hated what God wanted me to do, but now I find that I love what God has for me to do. Somebody say amen. You'll get there someday. Can I tell you something honest? A simple truth. You can't accomplish extraordinary things hanging around ordinary people. If maybe, maybe, maybe your problem is the people you're hanging around. Maybe that's your mess. You're hanging around some very ordinary, worldly people. Secular people have nothing invested in your walk with Christ. They might not even know you come here. You'd be surprised. You cannot accomplish. How many of you want to, I, I don't know. Yvette, maybe it's not, maybe it's just me. Lewis, maybe it's just me that I have this, this, this hunger to see something extraordinary from God. That maybe it's just, a, Lewis, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only person who has extraordinary needs before God that I cannot be accomplished through ordinary worship of God. And so I must go the extra mile in order to secure an extraordinary move of God in my life. It won't come through ordinary means. If you have no desire to do more, accomplish anything for God, then by all means, disregard everything I've ever said today. If you're cool with your life, 
If it's going fine for you, you have nothing else that you want from God, disregard everything I said. But if you have a little bit of a hunger for an actual purpose and a destiny, then get the mess out of your life and get right with the Lord that you are walking in purpose and fulfilling destiny for God. It will not change until you change. We're so busy praying for change, not realizing that we are the change, that God wants you to change. Waiting for certainly your family to break. God says, no, you break. Waiting for certainly your church to happen. God says, no, you need to happen. Waiting to come hear a word. And God says, I've been waiting for you to speak. We're waiting for somebody else to give us a word. Judging people's words from our seats. And God says, well, why don't you go and speak? I've been calling you for some time now. We're okay not living in destiny. We're okay not putting ourselves in positions of growth and flourishing. I would challenge you that within you is greatness in life. It's tough. In every seed, I did a study on seeds once with you guys, and in every seed there's life. In every seed there's life. You can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't taste it, but in every seed there is life. And if you would just plant it into the unknown, if you would plant it in due season, that, that little seed begins to birth life, whether it be a tree, a blade of grass, whatever it may be, a seed of faith, a seed of hope, a financial seed, whatever it is, seed gives life. It's time that you really planted yourself in the Word of God. It's time you planted yourself in Christ Jesus. For You would never know what, what is in you until you plant yourself in God. You would never know what God has for you until you plant yourself in God. You would never know what your purpose and destiny is in life until you plant yourself in God. And until you do it, you will live a, a life full of potential. Full of potential. At some point, my prayer is that you would get it before it's too late. Honestly, sometimes our mess just goes way too far. We play with God. We play church rather than be the church. I think God, I think, I think the problem, can I tell you, the problem with God is the church. I don't mean this church, I mean, I mean the whole body of Christ. The church is a, it's a mess. Oh my goodness, it is such a mess. But God has a purpose for us even in the midst of the mess. No amount of prayers that I pray for you, you come into the altar, it's not going to change a thing. What's going to change a thing is you going home and living differently. Not me laying hands on you, not me saying some pretty profound, you know, King James style prayer. Oh my God, that thou mayest break up the heavens and the firmaments of the earth to nothing. Nothing will bring God into your life but you. Isn't that amazing? Nothing. Nothing will make God break in your life until you bend him, until you test him. Nothing will make the windows of heaven open up until you get on your little ladder called prayer and reach up there and open it yourself. Nothing will break in you. Nothing will happen. You will always live in the same financial mess. You will always go looking for something. We think that we can find it in education. We think we can find it in people and relationships. You are searching for something called destiny in your heart. You may not see it. You may not know it. But that unhappiness that you always have, that many of us have, is a lack of God. And that's it. I told myself, I'm not going to pray with them. Nothing. Nothing. It's all up to you. I can't change nothing for you. I can't do nothing for you. 
can just tell you what God desires to do in you, and that is that he desires to move mightily in you, from the youngest to the oldest. I'm not even going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to tell the Lord to come on with the announcements. It's all up to you.